پیامبر هستم Hello uh, to our Radio Bomb.Dot listeners. This is our first session for 2021, actually the second, because our first one um, actually was last week on Sunday. This is our second 2021 session with Dr. Rockers uh, and Dr. Andrade. This is Dr. Malik Absalia speaking. Three of us work for Tavana organization, a nonprofit organization working with youth specifically with different cultural background and those underserved and underprivileged uh, youngsters. So now today we want to talk about an article we were discussing before we start our session, which is on happiness. So I wanna address a start with um, the research that uh, two, three of the psychologists in 1998 had. And what they say is happiness is often defined as a state of well-being and contentment. So it is perhaps one of the most salient of human pursuit. So I wanna start with this introduction and how can one attain this state of well-being? I just wanted to introduce myself too and say happy new years to the to the both of you. This is Dr. Alex Andrade. I'm really happy to to be here and uh, I'm glad we're talking about happiness. This is uh you know 2021. I know a lot of people are excited for the possibility of anything else. And so uh yeah, I think it's good that we start on this foot of, you know, what do we want this to be? And I think the idea of how can we you know, how can we focus on happiness? And even the question, you know, how can we induce happiness? I, I think that's something that I hear a lot of individuals when they come for treatment, when I ask them, you know, what is the, what is the goal or one of the things you want to work on through this process? Um, sometimes people say, you know, I don't know. I just, I want to feel better. Or I want to be happy. And, and I, I love that answer, but one of the things that's about it, that's so tricky. It's so nebulous. It's like, well, what does that consist of? Does that, uh, as it kind of mentions in the article, does that mean just the reduction of negative experiences and, and more positive experiences in our life? Um, or as the article talks about too, is it really experiencing all of our emotions, including some of the ones that we consider negative? And so I think it's a, there's a, a lot of great questions in this article and uh, that kind of come to mind when we're thinking about, you know, what is happiness? How do we induce happiness? Um, especially again, you know, given that 2020 is behind us now, you know, let's be, I think I've described myself before as a closet optimist, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to be happy too. I'm wanting to feel good. And so I'm glad we're talking about this, you know, maybe we can all get some ideas from it as well as some of the listeners can get some ideas about it too. And so, and, and as we've always talked before too, encourage the listeners to uh, check out our website, www.thetavana.com. If you have thoughts about, you know, happiness, what that means, um, uh, different ideas, uh, definitely, you know, encourage you to check out our website, you know, email us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to expand on this topic as well. And so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm feeling happy too, in case you can't tell. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Alex, you like this topic. <laughs> it makes me happy, or at least I hope it does. <laughs> All right. This is Dr. Rockers. Hello to everyone. Glad to be back and glad to be here with Dr. Malikafzali and Dr. Andrade. What a great pleasure. Looking forward to kicking off 2021 here. We've got uh, an interesting topic today. And I would jump in and say, who says some emotions are negative? I mean, where does that come from? Is that really the case? Aren't we, aren't, 
do we have to put some sort of a value judgment on emotions? Isn't the whole range, don't they happen for a certain thing? I think they could be channeled negatively or channeled in a bad way, like anger or hate or rage. But if we are operating in a healthy way, I think I like to think of emotions as being messages from ourselves to ourselves. And I really way. like that the way you started your conversation about happiness, because I believe those, especially five, six major emotions, um, like fear, anger, sadness, happiness, um, disguise or surprise, those are necessary for a human being to be a human. So depending on how we perceive these things that sound a little negative, especially in some cultures, uh that's that's really true i think it's healthy to have the full range of experience i remember somebody one time a younger person said well i don't i'm not going to have any regrets as they go forward and i'm not sure that you really can live in that way i'm not i mean i think that none of us really want to have regrets but i also think that they are functional. They help us to learn if we have those feelings. So in general, to briefly really sum up what you said is even though some of the emotions may not be desirable, because we know for sure sadness is not really a feeling as good as happiness for most of us. Um, but Basically, what you're saying is, even though regret may, may not be something that we want to have in life, but if we do sometimes, uh, we have to just deal with it in a healthy way rather than make us, you know, um, just go through emotions that um, contains some negativity. I think, yeah, as we're talking about it, what I think comes up for me is that the problem is if we get stuck, if we get stuck in a sadness or stuck in a rage or stuck regret, right. the stuckness is the problem. I think a lot of times they're, they're uncomfortable. So people we think, I think there's a growing emphasis on this, and this may be more my opinion, but this growing emphasis on if something is uncomfortable or something is uh, challenging or difficult in some way, we want to disconnect from it. And what's one of the best ways to disconnect from something is to label it and label it bad or negative. And so I don't want that. I've had people tell me, how can I, and, and seriously have asked the question, how can I not feel feelings? How do I not feel bad feelings? I just want to feel good feelings. And I'm like, well, hold on. First of all, we're, you're labeling feelings already. You're saying some are good and some are bad. They all, and, and Daniel, I, I believe in that same way, the, the, our feelings are telling us something. There's some information there. We just have to sort that out. And yeah, I think there's times where we can, for whatever reason, our mind will, uh, will, will focus and, and, and get stuck maybe, like you said, in some of those more you know, negative or bad emotions. But we've, we've called them that. They're not bad. Sadness isn't bad. Sadness tells us, I always think of like a breakup. If we're sad after a breakup, you know what? It tells us, you know, something, we've lost something and something has changed. That doesn't tell us 
that we're a bad person and that we're never going to be happy again. And I think that's where it can start to become more problematic in that way. Sadness has a function. It serves a function. We just have to understand what that is and recognize, okay, you know, it's, it's telling us something, how do we understand it? And so we can move forward and move through it. Uh, it's like, uh, I encourage people, sometimes we have to move through emotions versus kind of getting over them. People don't want to feel it. You don't want to feel bad. You don't want to feel sad. You don't want to hurt. Of course not. Yeah. But it's part of life. We got to go through those things sometimes to, to grow and to be better and to move forward. So basically feeling good, it's not necessarily feeling right. Is that basically what we are trying to say? Because if we are sad, that doesn't mean we are feeling bad. We are just going through the emotions. So it's just the way we perceive these emotions or the way we've been always learned that um, you know, like there was a movie Inside Out. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. The movie is all about emotions. It's a cartoon uh, movie. It's very oh. interesting. Actually, there was at one point the sad uh, figure in the movie was the one who really helped in the movie at one point. And the happiness, the joy was always trying to control everybody, to control fear, to control anger. <clears throat> and it was a very interesting movie, especially for young people um, to understand the emotions and understanding that each emotion in its place, it's necessary you know, so even fear at one point at the movie, if the fear hadn't come in place, something would have happened uh, to the character of the movie. So it was very interesting. Actually, it relates to what we are talking about. But uh, the question is, so then if nothing really we should label when it comes to our emotions, so then how do we... Or do we increase our pleasure? Because even pleasure has a different meaning in every culture and in every one of us. Do we increase pleasure to have more happiness? Do we uh, decrease pain to have more happiness? Because pain also is a big thing in uh, physiological uh, psychology. If we have pain, we suffer. So there are some sort of um, you know, emotions that bring some physical issue with it? I think a good question to ask is how, how do we not get stuck in the suffering part and how do we regard suffering? I noticed there is a difference in a lot of, there is a difference in people in terms of how they handle the suffering. Some people can deal with it pretty well and some people really kind of have a freak out the same with the pain. From working in with the chronic pain group for a long time, the meaning of the pain has a lot to do with how well we can. And the classic, one of the classic examples is cancer pain versus childbirth pain. Certainly one has a meaning that, you know what, this could end it all here. And the childbirth pain is, there is this idea of time limited as well, and that something good will. But the meaning of it has a lot to do with how well people withstand it or handle that's a, it's a big part in the suffering. But again, coming back to the idea of the hero's journey, pain is, an, is a necessary part of life. It's an important part of life. It's how we learn. In fact, another example from the chronic pain is there are some people who have a congenital um, absence of pain. 
They do not feel physical pain. And guess what happens to those people? They don't live very long because they injure themselves. They don't, they just keep going. I mean, they may break their back and keep going. So it's an interesting thing to keep in mind that as pain, it's a necessary part. Getting stuck in it is a problem, but not having it at all is, can also be a problem too. So as a human being, um, there's nothing um, like having all happiness or all sadness or all anger or all those emotions that we've been talking about. It's combination of all of that. So we know that definitely joy and the meaning of joy in every culture is different. But in a way, we have some sort of universal uh, picture of uh, how we feel when we are joyful or when we are happy. We are going to come back and continue our conversation uh, with the uh, beginning of the 2021, almost 20, because we had one session before. This is our second session in 2021. And we wanted to start with the secret to happiness, feeling good or feeling right. So um, I want to say some words in Farsi. Shenavandegan Aziz Radio Bamdad, Salano Mubarak. Ma hafte pish shuroe Salano ro dar khidmaytun budim. Ba dutan az hamkaranam Dr. Rockers va Dr. Anradi. Manam Dr. Malik Afsali hastam dar khidmaytun az Sacramento Radio Bamdad. Va agar sedai ma ro به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین علتش اینه که ما روزهای شنبه و شنبه به زبان انگلیسی در مورد تاپیک های مختلف سایکالوجی صحبت میکنیم روانشناسی و امروز صحبتمون راجع به خوشحالیه و اینکه آیا خوشحالی تنها عاطفی هستش که ما باید روش تاکید بکنیم و یا اینکه ما عواطف دیگری رو هم که بسیار مهم هستند در جای خودشون باید داشته باشیم ولی نحوه اینکه باهاشون مواجه میشیم متفاوته برمیگردیم و در خدمتون هستیم back from our break with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade. Uh, we sh- began our uh, session with talking about um, happiness and uh, especially we go back to what Dr. Rockers brought into our conversation and that was um, all our emotions in it, it, their place are important. It's, it's uh, very important that we don't get stuck in some of those emotions. That's the important message I got from Dr. Rocker's uh, conversation. So um, we um, are back and we are going to continue our conversation. One of the things I was reading in the APA article about happiness was that 
the author had said, well, actually there are several authors that said, we have recently proposed that people's values are one factor that might determine which emotions they desire. For example, in some cultures, maybe universalism is desired, the trust and compassion. So what is it that it's important in one culture? Maybe that brings uh, the importance of that uh, emotion. So we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Andrade and Dr. Rockers. Yeah, I actually like that idea. It's something to, it was one of those things that I read that I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that makes sense and in a way that I've, I've thought about that and I've talked about that before, but didn't kind of connect it in that way. And I think it's one of those things where on a couple of levels, one, we want to, the idea of normal comes to mind. People want to be normal. And if our values align with the dominant cultures, we're closer to an agreement of you know how we're supposed to be. And so that can allow us to feel like we're normal. So hence, you know, we're feeling comfortable with being aligned with the majority in that way. I think also too, it, it emphasized the idea, you know, what is the culture, uh, uh, what is the culture emphasized too? And if those dominant cultural values are things that we're feeling connected with and, and really legitimately are taking on, then, you know, we're doing things right. And so that idea too, of, of not only being normal, but doing things right. And that tends to make people feel good. I, I remind people sometimes doing the right thing doesn't always feel good. And so it's tough because that's, that's that like growth edge. Sometimes we're having to be uncomfortable in order to feel good or, or live in a way that aligns with our values. But I think if uh, along those same lines, if we're not in accordance with our own values, as well as the dominant values, then that starts to create some, some space and, and too big of a gap potentially can start to feel uncomfortable. And I think that's when people start to feel bad. Uh, they start to be hard on themselves. Um, it's just, it's, we're not living the way we're supposed to. And I think when people feel that constantly, uh, again, using the term earlier that you mentioned, Daniel, feeling stuck, they start to feel uh, you know, further away from the dominant and they can start to feel stuck in those kind of um, those feelings. I suspect the dominant cultural values are what many people use as a guide to know, am I going in the right way or in the right direction there? What about the case, though, where somebody their values are not the same as the dominant cultural value. I like that question. I actually wanted to jump in and talk about Persian culture. Um, one of the very clear example is the relationship between a husband and a wife. Um, I remember when I was back in Iran, it was very common if you talk, especially to women, they complain about their husband. And it's not something bad at all. It's just like nobody judge your relationship. It's like part of life. You get together with a bunch of women and you start complaining, oh, you know, my husband does this and somebody else says my husband does that. And I'm sure men get together to talk about that too. But it's not a bad thing. And nobody judges that, oh my gosh, so-and-so seems like has a very bad marriage because when we met, she was complaining about her husband. So basically, I always, when I came to United States and I experienced life here, I realized 
you may talk about your parents, you may talk about your siblings, but you don't talk about your relationship with your spouse uh, or your uh, special person in life. And it was very interesting to me, that difference. Um, so I realized that there's a huge difference between how we perceive happiness or sadness or some of these judgment um, we have over each other based on the value and culture. So for example, if someone complains about um, something about their relationship, we don't uh, judge that that person is unhappy unless something major is going on. And, you know, it's a different conversation. But I always thought that's sort of group therapy. When people get together, start complaining about something, then they're free and they're, it's out of their chest. They go back to their home. They don't complain to their husbands or they're, they're just happy and life moves on. But then... Uh, I haven't seen that here, even among um, women from Persian culture living here. I guess, as you said, the dominant culture affects people with the, you know, the value it's here, they, they change. What's the difference between complaining and acknowledging or discussing something that bothers somebody? Because a lot of times I have people come in for therapy and I'm trying to get them to open up a little bit about what's bothering them and they resist based on why well, I don't want to complain thinking that they only can say happy things or good things but an important part is an acknowledgement of if something's bugging me I need to I need to sort through it and sometimes saying it out loud is a way of sorting through it what are your thoughts on that I think complaining is a little more serious than conversation and discussion. When you're discussing, you want to find out. But when you're complaining, you know there's something wrong. That's my take on But you're, but I, I well, the reason I asked that question is I was wondering maybe in the uh, Persian culture that the that was more people just discussing and trying to open up and understand things as opposed to a complaining. I don't know. I'm just wondering. Yeah, it's not really complain. It's just sharing, you know. It's okay. Just like, you know, like, because nobody's life is perfect. So maybe they're just sharing, you know. I have I have this issue and that issue. Um, somebody else says, oh, you know what? I have this issue and that issue. So, I mean, it's just like very ordinary. You just say something about um, the, uh, you know, other person in your life. Uh, and it's so interesting that the opposite is you don't talk about your parents. You usually don't talk about your siblings, family, and uh, keeping the, um, you know, your relationship with family is always sacred. It's like, you always protect that relationship. You don't want to say anything uh, negative or complain about your family. And of course, all of this is from 30 some years ago when I was in that culture, I came, I'm sure I hear so many things have changed with internet, with globalism, with people traveling all over the world. I'm sure it's not the same. I'm just talking about my experience and things might have changed. Um, but from my um, culture and the era I was raised, it was more like that. Uh, or at least I can 
the minimum I can say is the culture of people I was associating with. The family was always important to support and don't say anything negative about them because people judge that because you're part of a family that you've been raised in, you grew up in that family. But then when you're talking about someone else, you know, that person has been raised in a different culture. So maybe it's because of differences of the way you've been raised and, and grew up in two different, you know, culture within culture. So maybe uh, I'm just thinking out loud right now, maybe that's why it was part of the culture not to judge or not to perceive this is a bad thing so you're saying about, you know, the other person in your life. Well, I mean, I I don't think it's maybe completely unique to you because you're touching on themes that are related to just to, to give listeners some some terms. There's individualistic uh, cultures and there's more collectivist cultures. And so in the more collectivist cultures, um, which uh, as a Mexican-American, I'm in a more collectivist culture where we pride, there's pride in the family. And so there's that sense that you don't want to make the family look bad. And so, you know, you're, you're and even, you know, things like dutifulness to one's family, that can be a sense of pride, hence a, a, a source of happiness to know that my family is doing well, I can feel good as an individual, where with more individualistic cultures, the emphasis is on the individual and us doing well, my family night may not be doing well. And you know what, let me tell you about them while I'm at it. Uh, and so it's, you know, there's some difference there. And so it's not that one is right or wrong. It's just those differences. And so I, I think it's always one of those things. And again, I, I think kind of to your point too, they can be generalizations and they can be, uh, they can exist on a continuum between probably individualistic and collectivism and kind of range somewhere in between. And they do probably change uh, by different influences of the dominant culture, if you're of one culture moving into a different culture and kind of finding a new balance. I mean, even as I mentioned, you know, I identify as Mexican American <clears throat> and as a Mexican American, like I'm a combination of both of those things. And so uh, I don't purely adhere to kind of one set of values. It's more of a, a combination of the two that are probably going to be very unique, maybe just to me or my generation or to uh, even my family. It may be completely different to somebody else who is also Mexican-American, but, you know, I'm third generation. So maybe because their second generation looks very different or maybe because they're growing up in this time now versus, you know, uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago when I was growing up. Uh, so there can be all these different factors that can contribute to maybe why that looks a little different. Like you're saying, kind of, you know, this was, you know, 30 years ago that you were there and, and yeah, it may look different, but there's still maybe an emphasis in the collectivistic kind of uh, approach, but maybe it just looks different. Who knows? No, I like the way you actually talked about the collectivist culture and individualist culture. It makes complete, complete sense because when you grow up, and you are an adult, you kind of separate yourself from your parents and the way you've been raised. And we actually hear from many people that they, they talk about how they've been raised, how they hated the way they, he or she has been, you know, um, raised or has been treated by their parents. We hear that and we never judge that person. We go, oh my gosh, this is a great um, success uh, story of a person who, be, who has that background and now look how successful he or she is versus in a Persian culture, as far as I have learned and 
been in that culture, it's more like, you know, as you mentioned, Alex, I like that. It's collectivist culture. And the family is important because you are part of that family. You are known by that name. Um, you know, even your relatives, your society that you live. So it is very important. I guess that's a, that's a very important point you brought. So I think the values, like on the other hand, I have to say, I hear here many men in our culture jokingly talk about their wives or talk about their um, special person in their lives and everybody laugh and nobody even judges and says anything. You know, it's just like, seems like, Oh, women always complain about this particular part of, you know, uh, a man's behavior and everybody laughs, you know? So um, I, I see those differences um, when I'm in both societies and especially since my last 35 years has been in this culture, uh, working with a lot of uh, Americans and different cultures, I see these differences. And, and when uh, in this article, we, we all have been conversing about, talks about values and culture, I could see clearly that this has an important um, piece into how we even perceive our emotions. And I got to say too, Danny, I don't know if it's you, it's it definitely me. When you're giving those examples, I did, I'm squirming a little bit. I can't imagine, uh, you know, talking about my partner in a way and jokingly without getting in trouble almost, you know, and again, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that says. I am single that maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's like one of those things where like, Ooh, that's, that's, you know, that's a very delicate territory there. And and again, I think in, in some cultures, it's like, I, I think in like, you know, the Latino culture, it's like, yeah, you might say some things to your friends, but you know, it's like, you know, if you're, if, uh, and again, I think, I don't want to say all guys do this, but like, if you're starting to complain about it a lot, like, Hey man, there may be something really going on there. Like you maybe need to talk to somebody versus kind of, Oh yeah, she makes me do this kind of in a, in a joking, playful way. I'm guessing that's how you mean it. Like more kind of annoyed, you know, they do this with the dishes or something like that. Uh, but nothing where it's like, Oh yeah, we don't share any interests. Nothing that extreme maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, we actually are now getting to our uh, other break and we come back, we continue our conversation about happiness and uh, as uh, op opposed to other emotions. Uh, Dr. Rockers brought uh, a very good point regarding the um, stucking in some of the emotions is the part that uh, we need to be concerned. Otherwise, every emotion in its own place is important. And we have to really deal with each emotion um, in a way that don't think it's negative, just deal with it. And Dr. Andrade brought a very good point about the values and the way uh, the individual culture looks at um, happiness or other emotions and the way we perceive um, other emotions and values. So we come back and we continue our conversation about um, happiness. I want to say a few words in Farsi. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد من به همراه دو تن از همکارانم از شرکت توانا که یک شرکت غیر در زمینه های 
فرهنگی و روانشناسی ما با هم همکاری داریم روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه برنامه ما به زبان انگلیسی هست از ساعت دوازده تا یک بعد از ظهر و هر بار ما راجبه یک موضوعی صحبت میکنیم موضوع امروزمون راجبه خوشحالی و سایر عواطفی که ما به نظر ما میاد منفی هستند ولی در جای خودشون لازم و ضروری و صحبتمون در اینه که ما چطوری میتونیم خودمون رو با بعضی از این عواطف بیشتر آشنا کنیم که پیش وقت فکر نکنیم که فرزن غم یا عصبانیت و یا ترس عواطف منفی هستن برمیگردیم و ادامه صحبتمون رو راجب خوشحالی و عواطف دیگه ادامه میدیم with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade. Uh, this is Dr. Mali Hapsali speaking. We uh, started our conversation about happiness and then we ended up with um, values and cultural issues. And now we are back and we are conversing. Um, to continue what we were saying, Aristotle uh, has a very important place in our culture. And I think in every culture, uh, and we always refer to Aristotle in many things. Based on his book, they say that Aristotle um, talks about happiness, and he says to have these feelings at the right times, on the right grounds, towards the right people for the right motive, and in the right way is the mark of virtue. Anger, fear, as well as pleasure are right for some people for some reasons. For example, for a minority group member who seeks justice because people in the majority mainstream uh, mistreat him, feeling anger may just be the right emotion. So I wanna come back uh, and continue our conversation with you um, friends. And I wanna see what you think about um, continuation of our conversation. Yeah, I like uh, that that idea that, you know, it's kind of as we touched on a little bit earlier that emotions are necessary. Uh, it's one of the things I, I work on with individuals is being able to, and even just starting with labeling emotions. I think a lot of times it's 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 something that people struggle to even really identify. It just, it, it can be one of those things where it gets assumed into one sense of self. So rather than just being sad or feeling sad. Well, even feeling sad can become being sad. And, and the difference is that they are that, you know, I am sad. Uh, and, and where there's a difference between experiencing that emotion 
sadness is a temporary emotion that we experience. Happiness is a temporary uh, emotion we experience. And so it's not, it's recognizing that we are not our emotions, that they are information. They're telling us about, you know, what is influencing us, whether it be in the world, whether it be in our interactions with others. Um, You know, it, it can be something that is informative to maybe make some changes. If we're constantly feeling sad, we have to say, well, what's what's not maybe working in the way that we envisioned or in a way that, again, going back to values, aligns with our values. There's something off. Um, and I think if we don't understand that those emotions exist outside of one sense of self, then we're just kind of going to, and again, that's where we go to the idea of getting stuck in those emotions, because those emotions start to become not what we feel, but who we are. Yeah, I like that. I like that concept. That makes a lot of sense. It is a message that informs us, or it can be something we just descend into and be whatever that emotion. When that happens, then that can be a problem. I think it's important also to keep in mind that we as human beings are in a way stuck in this polarity of of one and the other. Side A, earlier you were talking about, can it be all happy, be all sad? Things can't be all of one thing because as humans, we're always experiencing one against the other. If things were always good all the time, we would somehow find some way Said, well, this good is better than that good, and that good doesn't feel so as this feels. And, you know, and then we've established that polarity again. Here's the good and the bad, or here's the plus and the minus. So somehow there's always going to be that. Right? And I think it is not really, I just don't think it's a, a wise move to think that we can only be one or the other. A wiser move is to use these as messages. Absolutely. I was just, the way I expressed myself was that, you know, we know in psychology, temperament is something that is part of the DNA. You know, we say, you know, this child has a good temperament. This child has a, you know, different temperament. A part of the, you know, the way I was just probably thinking was, you know, um, there is something about temperament and outlook to life. Maybe temperament gives you a different outlook to life. Um, This is really deeper than just say, you know, someone is all happy or someone is continuously looking at things negatively. In uh, Well, I want to just give an example. I remember when I was teaching, I was involved in all different activities at school. And one of the big things I wanted to do was to have an all-school activity. And that um, really had to do with changing the schedule of all classes. We had different wings. Um, And, you know, in high school, there's so much going on that you have to Um, work with every department, every adjunct uh, issue going on to create something school-wide. And I was all positive and I thought, oh, we can do that. There's no, uh, you know, obstacle. Um, And I remember I created a committee to work on that. And there was a very wise person and it was sort of beginning of my career in teaching she, I never forget that. She said, you know what? We have to all, all um, think of 
all different aspects of this. And if someone says something that, that you feel it's bringing obstacle to what you want to do, you have to look at it because they are actually seeing what you don't see. And I remember that was really a big lesson to me because I always, um, you know, in my uh, head at that time being young and, and being so passionate about doing something and I couldn't see any barrier in what I was going to do, that person seemed sort of negative and everything we said, he brought what if, what if this and what if that. Then I realized in life, we really need to have that. And that was my first lesson. And I think when you look at that and expand that to every part of the life, if someone says something that sounds sort of negative, it's not because it's negative. You always need people to see things differently than you do. So if you have a blind side, they actually uh, mention your blind side and they give you a bigger, um, you know, expansion of the scope of what you want to do. So I, I want to expand that to this as well, because if someone shows the sadness or shows anger, that doesn't mean, as you said, Alex, they're angry, they're sad. It's just they're dealing with emotions. Yeah, and to, to add to what you said and then what uh, Daniel said, the idea of that polarity too, that we, you know, we can, we understand, I think as people, we understand the world through comparison. And it's one of the ways that, and, and it happens with emotions. We, we compare to what feels good to what feels bad. It gives us, it gives us a, a, a direction. And, and I think it's one of those things where if we do that too quickly, it can lead us to labeling those things in a, in a negative way where sadness isn't bad. Uh, sadness isn't a negative emotion. It's not a pleasant emotion, but it doesn't have to be something that's bad. And so that's one of the things I usually try to uh, teach people is that our, our emotions, they are, and they can be informative. And we have to learn to see them as information. I heard this great uh, uh, saying a while back, hammer where I heard it, I, I want to say it was a radio show or podcast or something like that. Um, but but I really liked it. And I think it, it, it allowed people who are more like rational or logical um, to, to kind of understand it. And, and essentially it was saying, what if we were to think of our emotions as a kind of from a business perspective, what if we were to think of our emotions as consultants versus a CEO? And in the business world, a consultant comes in, they give you some information, you weigh it, and then you ultimately make the decision that works best for you versus if it's the CEO they dictate, you know, nope, this is what it is. This is, this is what the, you know, the outcome of that emotion is where it's like, let's look at our emotions as, as worthy to acknowledge, but let's not just go with them. Let's not just say, well, you know what? Yep. I'm sad. And everything is crap. It's like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Yes. There's sadness. Yes. There's anger. Yes. There's this, but it doesn't have to all, you know, just be that it doesn't have to override the entire system. That's very nice. I love that conceptualization that helps people. To, I wonder if that conceptualization works better in some cultures than other ones that are more oriented towards business or industry. I don't know. Good question. Yeah, I like that metaphor. It's uh, 
you know, it, it can work greatly as soon as something comes up. My other question is that, so then when we talk about duration, so we say, okay, that's fine. Anger is okay. Sadness is fine. Fear is okay. Um, so then how long do we, I mean, as psychologists, if I'm sad and normally, uh, I mean, when we say normally, we always talk about, uh, you know, majority, minority, or, you know, 80, 20, or 70, 30 percent. Um, so then what would be the duration of sadness to be considered normal? Because I know our listeners, when they listen to us, they want something practical. So I'm sure one of the questions is going to come out that, okay, if I have a 16-year-old or 18-year-old, if I'm sad and over the weekend, I'm pulling the blanket, I don't want to get up, I don't want to do anything, I'm sad, for how long that would be okay? That's a great question. I, I, I can't think of the first, going back to business, uh, you know, I always think, you know, how many days do we get off for grief or bereavement? It's like, what, two or three days? So it's funny because it's like business says you can be sad that somebody's passed away for two or three days and then you need to come back to work. And so, you know, what message does that send that, you know, in our society, it's like, okay, yes, that's disturbing and you need to take time off but you need to kind of get over it or you need to at least, uh, you know, be able to function in a couple of days. Uh, Daniel, you were going to say, Oh, well, I was going to say, I think we have actually, we have a whole set of guides on what is that. I and mean, we just look in the DSM manual. So if somebody is uh, sad and we can check off eight of those boxes for two weeks long, that's probably getting to the place where we would call them depressed. That's probably too much. I think that's, and you know, all of those diagnoses are created by committees, which means it's both good and bad, right? It's the polarity again, but it mm -hmm. means that there have been enough people talking and giving input from all different sides. And you know, that committee, some people said, well, I think it's less than two weeks. And some people said, well, I think it's more than two weeks, but two weeks is some consensus. Some. So that's a good guide, I would say two weeks of feeling that sort of feeling most of the time, most of those days. And Alex, you mentioned bereavement for two, three days. Uh, that's more in um, business world, but in government entities or institutions, it's one week. Mm. Because as a teacher and as an admin, I remember those years, um, you know, my when my parents pass, I had one week for my dad and I had one week for my mom uh, each time. And even when you think about that, you know, one week is not enough at all. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but I mean, um, at least it's much better than two, three days. But you have to put yourself together and just say, okay, I'm at work. Now I'm not going to even go there. So I have to just run the business and then, you know, you have to just you know, play that um, inner self with um, what you're dealing with. Sure. Well, on the other side of that, too, we can say, you know, what is the, you know, what vacation time, you know, some, you know, in, in Europe, they say in Europe, vacation is longer than the US. A lot of times on average, people get two weeks vacation. So if we want to focus on, you know, positive or pleasurable experiences, we get two weeks to have fun per year, you know, where other, you know, cultures emphasize, you know, uh, I've heard in like Europe, people have like a month off or six weeks off. And it's like, 
okay, so like that's a greater emphasis there. And again, it's it's just one of those things where I don't know why my mind is thinking about business so much right now, but uh, <laughs> yeah, vacations. Yeah, yeah, vacations too. Yeah, it's just you know, there's a greater you know, uh, how do we put a number on these things? You know, and and yeah, it's just it's interesting. Which brings up the important point is that every all of this stuff is fairly individual. We can look for some guidelines and we look to culture for our cultural, for our guidelines. But we also have to take into account we are each individual and my needs might be different than another person's needs. They are, they're going to be. So we have to respect that. We have to also, in a way, celebrate that. Just like, just in the same way we respect different cultures and celebrate different cultures. Yeah, and then that... uh you know, takes us back to what we always say, that culture is a big part of a person. And when you're dealing with a person, you really definitely need to um, talk about the culture and the values and the way things um, move uh, in that particular culture. And that's why in psychology, we always uh, hear about the cultural differences and the values each person um, has in their personal life. So it's important to know that uh, we each, not only there's culture within culture, but there's a bigger culture from the um, country, society, ethnicity that each of us come from. So um, how are we doing with time? I guess we are uh, towards the end of our program. We're going to give a short break and come back and end our conversation about happiness and other emotions. We're back and we are ending our conversation by each of us say our last statement over the topic we've been conversing. So we start with Dr. Rockers. Well, the article that we were referencing said that for people to be happy, 
that they should feel more of what they want to feel, which I think ends up leaving happiness as a little bit vague for people. However, having said that, I, I would agree that you can be happier if you feel more of the things you want to be feeling. So then what I would say, my tip is think about and figure out what are the things that you want to feel more of. That's step number one. And from there, then you can go about getting more of that. Dr. Andrade, how about you? Yeah, I would I'd probably add to that too. And, and I like the the positive spin on it, Daniel, even if you, you didn't mean to put that as such a positive spin. I think that's a great message. Uh, for Contrary listeners. to popular belief, I am a positive person. You're a positive and a happy person. Yes, yes. And so, and I'm going to take the other side for that polarity. I'm going to take the negative side of things right All now. Right. <laughs> no, no, I don't think it's negative, but I think it's one of those things where it's, it's that growth and that we have to even experience some of the uncomfortable feelings. And, and there's, there's opportunity and there's growth and there's personal challenge in being able to feel the uncomfortable feelings. Um, as we were talking about, like with sadness and grief, you know, it's one of those things where I've seen people try to push that sadness away so much so where they lose part of the connection what they had with the person that they loved because it's just too much to even think about them anymore but they lose those memories those those experiences even some of the lessons that they've gained by having that person in their life at one point so as tough as it is sometimes it's one of those things where it's so important that we uh, go through that we embrace those those even more difficult emotions and so we need all of our emotions and so you know being able to recognize that we're feeling this right now but that other feelings will come as well is so important i always like to remind people right now is not forever and emotions don't last for forever they may feel like it at times especially the more challenging or, or unpleasant emotions but we can endure those and, and to remind ourselves, hey, I'm not feeling as sad as I was, or I'm not feeling as angry as I was, can allow us to start to see that our emotions can fluctuate, they can change, and we can be okay. Uh, and I want to say just be open to experiences and converse about your emotions. It's really important not to keep it inside and just show it but also i wanted to tell you guys my name means happy so i always want <laughs> to experience happiness and sometimes i have to check and make sure that i understand happiness correctly because um you know i've always wanted to look at things in a positive way and just uh, you know, and, and I have a hard time to uh, just feel sadness. So maybe I need to work on myself because even a day of sadness for me is like, oh my gosh, the world has changed in my perception. <laughs> so I want to say uh, thank you again for a great conversation. And we are going to come back tomorrow to uh, converse about another topic. So goodbye to our listeners.
پاکت بی تمر و تاریخ نامه بی اسم و امزا کوچه دل و پسی ها برسه به دست بابا با سلام خدمت بابا عرض کنم که قربت ما انقدام بد نیست که میگن راضیم الحمدلله سر کار روزگارم ای بدک نیست شکر قربت گرم بازار قلم و دفتر شعرم توی گنج کنج دیوار عکس سهراب روی تاچه قزلش روشه انبار توی نامه گفته بودی بیچراغ دل مادر برا تو نور میفرستم جنس اعلا طرح آخر من ستاره بردم اینجا با بلیتای برنده راستی اونجا نور فانوس یه شبش کرایه شنده پاکت بی تمر و تاریخ نامه بی اسم و امزا کوچه دل و پسی ها برسه به دست بابا با سلام خدمت بابا ارز کنم که قربت ما انقدام بد نیست که میگن راضیم الحمدلله